had a moment where, looking back, you could not have planned that moment better. Uh, it's almost like one of those rare moments where you're in the middle of a, a debate and you have that perfect snarky comeback that you just kind of blurt out and you walk away thinking, dang, where did that come from? Uh, or it's one of those moments uh, or stories that you tell over and over again every year at the family Christmas party or Thanksgiving party and nobody stops you because it's funny and, and everybody wants to hear it again and again. Allow me to, to set up one such moment. So there I was standing at the top of the stairs totally naked, yelling at my wife in the kitchen, what is this? Uh, not exactly the way I imagined this story would unfold in my life either. Her response, though, was a little patronizing. She looked at me a little confused and said, uh, that would be a negative pregnancy test. You see, I found this thing on the counter when I first woke up. Quick side note here, you just peed on this thing. Why would you put it on the counter? I don't understand that. Don't do that. It's kind of gross. Anywho, I responded false. This is definitely not negative. There are two lines here. And I wasn't yelling. I wasn't angry or anything. I was euphoric. And I held in my hand a positive pregnancy test. How many husbands get to break the news to their wives that they're having a baby? So she ran over to me in, in disbelief. But sure enough, the double lines are pretty convincing. Uh, we hugged. It was a beautiful moment. And that's the moment that I play over and over in my head. I had always looked forward to that moment that she would tell me that we were having a baby but our story didn't work out that way i got to tell her uh, so this day was december 31st 2017 last day of the year and obviously 2018 was shaping up to be a pretty big year and that night at our family's new year's eve party when midnight struck i embraced my wife and her eyes teared up i knew exactly what she was thinking uh, the biggest year of our lives had just started. This year would bring parenthood. Change was coming. We were very excited. And we were not even 12 hours into our pregnancy. And I was dying to tell people. I wanted to tell everybody. We were obviously waiting for a little while to tell people. That was really hard for me. And fast forward a little bit. You know, the early weeks, they weren't horrible for my wife. Uh, we might get to that at some point. I was still impatiently waiting to tell people. The first people we did get to tell were my wife's parents. And we told them when we went bowling. Kind of boring, I know. Uh, but we put my name as dad and my wife's name is mom. And then we put grandma and grandpa for their names. And for a split second, they actually didn't get it because our two dogs actually know my father-in-law as grandpa. They thought we were just making a little joke, but it hit them quick. And my mother-in-law and my wife had a sweet little moment chatting and such. And my father-in-law finally broke broke into the sweet moment and said hey you know if we don't hurry we're not going to get our two games in he was actually right we didn't finish our second game so we won't be making that mistake again excitement was building right we finally got to tell some people and i wanted to tell my family and so my brother was actually coming into town for a job interview and we decided that we would tell him so i picked him up from the airport and i was bringing him back to my house and mostly i was just happy that he was potentially moving back so i was able to to keep a straight face. I don't really have a good poker face, so I was happy that it had been a while that I'd seen him. So uh, that consumed a lot of our conversation. And we got to our house, and it was the first time that he had ever been to our house. So we showed him around, and I saved the room that we would turn into the nursery for last. And when we walked in there, I said, you know, this, this room is the nursery, and it needs to be ready by September. He saw right through that. He knew exactly what I was telling him. He gave me a big hug. He was really excited. It was a great moment. Didn't last long, though, because it was late, and I had to get him to where he was staying that night. And so we packed up, and I began driving him to where he was going to be staying. 
you know, I solicited advice. You know, my brother at this time had five kids, and he's got six now, and I want to be a dad like him in a lot of ways. And so I was, I was already openly soliciting advice uh, from all of the, the good dads out there. And I wasn't really expecting what he was about to say, and it caught me a little off guard. He said, you know, the best advice I can probably give you is that you are the dad, and nobody cares about the dad. So fast forward a year and look back on that, he was absolutely 100% right in more ways than one. In fact, in almost every facet of societal life these days, nobody cares about the dad. And this isn't meant to be some pity party, this is the way it is. Dads are portrayed as buffoons. They're shown to mess up, they're shown to be out of control, they're shown to be clueless. Uh, they're often portrayed as second-rate caregivers, uh, somebody who cares more about video games or football than their children. And they're often disregarded as an essential or important part of the family. A lot of times they're seen as optional. So I started asking myself this question, you know, what came first, this portrayal of dads as blubbering, insignificant buffoons? Or are there just a lot of blubbering, insignificant buffoons that are dads who are leading by example for society to parody. But I got past that really quick, and I think the real question is, does it matter? I don't think it matters. I think what really matters is that dads are important, and children need strong dads. Children need discipline from their dads. They need authority from their dads and boundaries. They need to feel loved and cherished and adored by their dads. And I don't think there's a problem with laughing and joking about the joys of parenthood or dads uh, and all the crazy ways that this happens. I think the problem is that the gray area between the jokes and perception is merging. I recently saw an example of this in a commercial for disinfectant wipes. It took this commercial all of 15 seconds to show a derogatory and demeaning message about dads. So setting the stage, a mom comes walking in the door after she'd been out and she walks into the kitchen and the kitchen is in shambles. And dad is in the kitchen and he's got the baby in his arms and he's apparently got dinner going and it really looks like everything is a mess and he's setting the baby on the counter uh, nobody looks happy looks like a tornado went through the kitchen and the message is clear um, is that dad is not under control and all the while he's looking at the mom who just walked in the door and he's saying hey everything's okay everything's okay and well clearly everything is not okay you know it's a joke I think the commercial was supposed to be funny, but it did pass, you know, a pretty clear message in, in that dad can't do this without mom. You know, you might be thinking, oh, you know, I'm thinking too much into this. Well, I don't think so. Some people believe this stuff and you see it enough casually and it just starts to creep in. It sets an expectation. You start to think, yeah, that's just how it is. I admit I believe this stuff at some point. And sometimes I still catch myself casually letting it creep in. I once caught myself making a self-deprecating joke uh, specifically aimed at this generalization and manufactured perception of dads. I was actually trying to make a sincere compliment to my wife in front of a crowd. And we were laughing and I was telling this crowd about how much my wife does, how much work she does and how wonderful I think she is. And I simply said, you know, she does all of this and all I did was make a deposit. I caught myself immediately and thought, all I did, that's it? See, to me, becoming a father is single-handedly one of the most important accomplishments of my life. I consider it as such. Being able to father a child, no. You know, just about every man can do that. But planning and preparing for that moment that I would make a decision to have a child with my wife and getting there was taxing. It was a, it was a hard path to, to go through. It was years in the making. In preparation to bring a child into this life, I first had to make myself a suitable man, 
of whom you know a girl of my standards would want to marry. I knew what kind of girl I wanted to marry, so I had to be that kind of guy. And looking back, I realized I was kind of a selfish guy. I had all these high expectations for the girl I wanted to marry. I once heard, though, that I shouldn't have a list of attributes I wanted in a spouse. Rather, I should have a list of all the attributes I should aspire to be for myself, and hopefully in the process of becoming the person I wanted to be, I just might attract a girl with some of the same attributes. Uh, Not gonna lie, I had a lot of work to do. During this time, there were some very hard-fought battles and struggles that helped me grow and learn what kind of man I was and what kind of man I wanted to be. You know, to keep from boring you too bad on the journey it took me to to even get to a place where I was comfortable enough to consider myself uh, possible marriage material, I'm just gonna say that it was a lot of work. It involved a lot of jobs with crappy hours, paying my way through community college, then university, then grad school, Obviously, going out on a lot of dates and honing in on some social skills, which I still think I have a lot of work to do. You know, and everything involved in dating, getting turned down, ignored, stood up, blatantly rejected, embarrassed. Nothing new to a lot of people, though. Everybody has stories of some of these hard lessons learned. I've got mine and went through them in a lot of the preparation for that moment when I would meet the girl that would become my wife. I do want to highlight one experience, though. Uh, This taught me a lot about being vulnerable. Learning to be vulnerable was one of the most important lessons I learned. I needed to allow my soon-to-be wife to influence me, to help me, to coach me in a lot of ways. You know, up to this point, I had planned a course through college, through grad school, and a field of study that had earning potential. And I worked hard to learn and get good grades. Uh, I worked hard at understanding the world I was supposed to live in and eventually, hopefully, raise a child in. I met my wife right at the end of my undergraduate studies, and it was probably one of our first few dates. We were just out on a walk, and she said, You know, you're a linguistics major. What do you intend to do with this? How are you going to earn a living? Do you have a backup plan? You know, to be honest with you, even though this is kind of a scary question, I needed to hear this from her. Had she not asked, I probably would have ended up questioning her a little bit. As I said, I needed to hear it from her. I needed to know that she was planning these things out and that she was thinking along the same lines uh, because I was, as I said, in in a process of trying to prepare myself and I needed to justify this to her. And so I did have a plan. And I told her that plan. In a long story longer, uh, we did decide to get married just before we both started graduate school. We actually left our hotel from our honeymoon driving the moving truck to our new apartment. And we started immediately work in graduate school. And I finished grad school before she did, got a job in another state. We had to move again. And my wife was not done. She still had medical rotations. So we spent some time apart. And I worked. She finished her medical rotations. And in the beginning of our marriage, we were intensely focused on our careers. Uh, The conversation obviously had come up around when we would have our first child, and we planned it out. It was actually kind of a long plan. It was years in the making before we would be able to bring a child into this world and be able to financially, emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually be able to support a child. We finally got to a point, though, where we landed on the date Um, the month and the year that we would be able to stop birth control. Looking back on this self-deprecating joke about how all I did was make a deposit, I'm a little disappointed in myself. Yes, my wife selflessly made the sacrifice to carry our child, and for that, I am eternally grateful. And I will never try to diminish that in any way. That said, I did so much more than make a deposit. I had prepared, as I mentioned, physically, emotionally, uh, mentally, financially, spiritually, over a lot of years to become 
you know, a suitable husband and potential father enough so that my wife would agree to a marriage proposal. And I'm happy she took the chance on me. Uh, I spent years of my life building and planning for this. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of us dads have sacrificed a lot and prepared a lot to get to where we are. Uh, we should own that sacrifice. Own that work and preparation. Be proud of it. Be proud of where we are today, but obviously never be satisfied and always strive to be better. We owe it to our families to be better. Uh, but we do need to give ourselves some credit for all the hard work we put in to get to a point where we can justify bringing a child into this world. And I understand it doesn't always work out like that. Some people have unplanned children and they make it work. But right now I'm making the point that sometimes it takes a lot of preparation and a lot of hard work and a lot of life changing to get there. And I don't think we do ourselves justice if we marginalize that. You know, I listen to myself talk over the last few minutes and, and I realize I might sound a little preachy, but I say all this because, again, I want to hammer in this point, I think we did so much more than make a deposit. And I'm not talking about deadbeat dads. Yeah, they're not great, but even a deadbeat dad can choose any moment he wants to change and we shouldn't give up on that. But again, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. Here I am rambling on about being a dad and you're listening to me. We seem to care a little bit. Uh, we should be the ultimate example of manhood to our children. Uh, we're very important, uh, especially beyond what this cynical and shallow world teaches us that fathers are. Now, uh, it's a big responsibility and it transcends any temporal or worldly pursuit. Our children ideally should outlive us. And if this world is going to become a better place, what we teach our children is paramount. So I got tired of this world, and I am tired of this world, telling me what constitutes a father. I'm ashamed that I so carelessly joked about it. I am not a babbling idiot. I'm not a buffoon. I am as capable as my wife in raising our daughter. And I will be, and hopefully will be, the most important and loved man in my daughter's life until the day she makes a decision to marry. Uh, and then, obviously, I'm going to continue being her father. The job doesn't stop. Being a good man and a good father keeps social fabric together. It keeps morals and standards present and relevant. I really think that we are supremely important and we just should not back down from, from this mantle or this calling of fatherhood. I wanted to finish really quick with a list of 20 things that outlines why we are important as fathers. And a lot of these come from Dr. Meg Meeker's book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. I have a daughter, so some of this is going to be focused on daughters, but a lot of this stuff carries over as well. One, toddlers securely attached to their fathers are better at solving problems. Two, six-month-old babies score higher on tests of mental development if their dads are involved in their lives. I love this one. As early as six months, Babies are already scoring higher on tests of mental development if their dads are in their lives. Three, with dads present in the home, kids manage school stress better. Four, girls whose fathers provide warmth and control achieve higher academic success. Five, girls who are close to their fathers exhibit less anxiety and withdrawn behaviors. Six, girls with doting, active fathers are more assertive. Seven, daughters who perceive their fathers care a lot about them, who feel connected to their fathers, have significantly fewer suicide attempts and fewer instances of body dissatisfaction, depression, low self-esteem, substance abuse, and unhealthy weight. Eight, girls with involved fathers are twice as likely to stay in school. Nine, a daughter's self-esteem is best predicted by her father's physical affection. Ten, Girls with fathers who are involved in their lives have higher quantitative and verbal skills and higher intellectual functioning. 11. Girls with good fathers are less likely to flaunt themselves to seek male attention. 12. Girls with involved fathers wait longer to initiate sex and have lower rates of teen pregnancy. Teen girls who live with both parents are three times less likely to lose their virginity before their 16th birthday. 
13. 76% of teen girls said that fathers influenced their decision on whether they should become sexually active. 14. 97% of girls who said they could talk to their parents had lower teen pregnancy rates. 15. A daughter from a middle-class family has a five-fold lower risk of out-of-wedlock pregnancy if her father lives at home. 16. Girls who live their mothers only have a significantly less ability to control impulses, delay gratification, and have a weaker sense of conscience of right or wrong. 17. Kids do better academically if their fathers establish rules and exhibit affection. 18. Children with involved dads are less likely to break the law, more likely to avoid risky sex, more likely to hold down higher paying jobs, more likely to have higher IQ scores, and are even less prone to obesity. 19. Men who make better and healthier decisions before even having a baby are shown to have certain positive health effects on their children. This is called epigenetics. It's amazing. It's really, really cool, and I might possibly talk more about this, but we make healthy decisions before we decide to have a baby, and we can essentially turn on certain genes in our offspring. 20. Daughters will learn the pattern by which they'll expect to be treated by how we treat their mother. So this is just a little sample of the effect that we as dads have on our children. You know, each of these examples uh, in this list has scientific research backing it up. In closing, I don't think we should buy the trends that suggest fathers are not important. We are. Uh, I'll admit I only gave you a part of my brother's advice when he told me that nobody cares about the dad. He followed it up by saying, you know, you are important and you are an equal partner with your wife in raising this child. Insert yourself into this process. Go to doctor appointments, get to know who is delivering your baby, be the birth partner, and be an advocate for your wife at the hospital. Know what you can and should do. Do not let this process happen without you. Lead the process. You know, my brother's advice, along with going through this experience and having our first baby, is what motivated me to begin talking about this. I am not an expert. I'm just a guy trying to be a good father. I'm motivated to learn and grow and hopefully share something useful along the way. I'm really new at this. So new, in fact, my baby just tried solid food for the first time at the time of writing this. I just hope that there are other dads out there. Moms are welcome, too who will join me for a few minutes every now and then to share in this journey, discuss the importance of our roles, and take back what it means to be a dad. 